1: Back here on the Steve Jones Show. Mac here with you. Steve is there in the Sunbury Motors studio. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf and online at sunburymotors.com. Ford, Kia, Hyundai, lots of pre-owned inventory and a great service department that gets it done for your current vehicle with the diagnostics, with the inspections, with all the routine maintenance. They get it done for you. And a sales staff that's not just there for the sale, but is there to make sure that you get a good deal for your next vehicle. All part of the Sunbury Motors Guarantee. And it's all at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kia, Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. Play by play, call of the day. The uh, AVs, Steve. I,
0: I wanted you to do the intro because I just thought it would calm you down. Oh. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I see what you're doing there.
0: I just thought it would get you into like being a broadcaster. <laughs> Instead of sitting there consumed with hate, you know, ready to take out really anger on everybody. Our play by play call of the day. Colorado in overtime wins game one.
2: Ackerman with the block shots, the dedication to do it for Tampa Bay, given they've already won two Stanley Cups. They continue to do it. Conference shot blocked by Hedman. Score! Burakovsky on
0: the follow-up, and game one goes to the Avs in overtime. Yep, Sean McDonough with call on ABC last night. As the... uh Avs took game one. Game two is Saturday night. Great game last night. Great game. Um, thought it was fun, exciting. You know, for those of you who sat around for the entire 17 minute delay of the Yankee game while well, they couldn't figure out the rules, <laughs> like, meanwhile, uh, Tampa Bay and Colorado were going up and down the ice with speed.
1: There was action. Yikes. Actually, now that I think about it, I think that happened simultaneously when Tampa Bay came back with the two goals in 48 seconds to tie the game.
0: Yeah, and, and guess what? Nobody went back to the Yankee game.
1: Like, oh. Precisely.
0: Well, gee, this looks like fun. This Wow, they're, like, they're, there's action. People are moving. Baseball's got to get out of its own way. 17 minutes? Because you're not sure whether they went to the mound for the same batter? Just let it go. Move on. Go. Oh, God, get out of your own way. My goodness. Okay. So let's uh, um, explore this for a moment those who are in our business, writers broadcasters talk show hosts we are expected to come up with opinions on anything that happens sometimes, you know and I'll, you know, and you know, sometimes I'll just sit back and say, you know what, I don't really know what to think about that And when we do talk about issues, I do talk about what I think are potential solutions. That's why, for example, with name, image, and likeness and what's happening with that, I've told you straight out, I've thought about it, I don't know what the solution is to collectives. I don't. So if I don't know, I'll say it. But a lot of times, you know, we come up with what we think are solutions, and we've been fortunate over the years, a lot of things that we've talked about have actually come to pass and if you're a faithful listener of the show you know that you know can kind of you know, in some ways keeps you ahead of the curve then with name image and likeness i sit back and go i don't know i don't know what to say about that but now the disconnect that there seems to be at times between the media and the fans there are certain elements that the media cares about that the fans don't. Or just the average person doesn't. And we, you know, we see that on national scene in politics. We see that um, in sports. I think a lot of people, the average fan is not mad about live golf okay, existing The average fan wants to see all the the great players play at once, and I think they, at minimum, want to see if they're allowed to play in the majors. That's what they care about. I don't think anybody's sitting there at the Travelers, and I have tickets to the Travelers, oh, God, guess what, Patrick Reed's a no-show. That's it. We're not going. No. And Mickelson's 52 now as it today is, right? And so people are not expecting him to show up at, at their events any longer. Once in a while, maybe, but... You know, Dustin Johnson, eh, maybe. I mean, a lot of these guys cut back on their tour appearances to begin with. It's the same thing in almost every sport. But it's a... Eh. Now, there'll be times, for example, and in this show... Where I'll disagree with somebody's opinion respectfully, but I'll disagree with it. The the difference being that it'll be something where I have a little more knowledge about what's going on just by by merely being there where the fan can't be. In other words, I'm at practices, you know, I'm traveling with the team. I'm at shootarounds. I'm at you know I'm at walkthroughs. Whatever, you know, I'm there. So, for example, when it comes to, let, let's take something that's simple. I'll, I'll give you, yeah, two simple deals. Okay. Where you know and, and, and the fan doesn't know. I'll give you three of them. Like, Seth Lundy couldn't play at Ohio State. You know, okay, I sat here in the show. I knew he wasn't going to play, so I prepared differently. I didn't talk about it till the pregame because I wasn't allowed to. Uh, but you know about it, right? So it's knowing something that other people don't know. And so, I mean, I had, you know, my, if you got a hold of my chart, you're like, a oh, why Seth Lundy on the bottom line? Well, he's not going to play today. He's not in the trip. Okay. That's being around them all the time. In football, for example, there was an opinion that was shared during the spring when James was saying, look, we've had to practice differently because. We're down to some days five or six offensive linemen. And, of course, there was a prevailing thought that they had mismanaged the offensive line in terms of the recruitment of it. And, of course, that is absolutely not true. But that was the perception that was being put out there. And that is where you sit back and say, okay, guys, they have 12 offensive linemen, I can't get into all the specifics, but one guy had surgery in January. Three got banged up during the, during the course, but are going to return. One other had another injury that needed surgery. You know, so you start going through the and one guy's coming off surgery. So now you start putting all the pieces together where you can tell the fan that's a narrative, but it's not true these are the circumstances here's the reason why so you can lay it out another one is the Sean Clifford Will Levis thing um, first of all, everybody's entitled to their opinion because Will did a you know really good job last year at Kentucky, no question but there'll be people questioning you know, why he wasn't picked as the starting quarterback here okay, fair you're not there Okay. And you, you can have that opinion from 30,000 feet. But I can then give you additional information as somebody who stood there every single day. You know, I'm not going to say Sean Clifford was great every day. No, Sean Clifford's not great every day. But there was never any doubt at the end of each week in the spring, at the end of each week in the preseason, there was never any doubt to me after my own personal Viewpoint, my visual, who was the better quarterback? I didn't walk out of practice at the end of any of the weeks and say, you know what, I think Will's got him, and 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 you can, and that can happen. Taquan Robersons, we all know, was number two. It didn't go well against Iowa. Okay. But again, same story. There's nothing that Christian Veyu did to surpass Roberson before the Iowa game. After the Iowa game, they did five five mini scrimmages, and it was done, I looked around, and I said, remember I said to Dwight Galt, I said, uh, I think it's pretty obvious who's number two now. And he looked at me and said, you got that right. Because sometimes it just jumps out at you that it becomes obvious. So you can add to what... You know, or answer questions based on your own observations in due time as to what you see that the fan can't see. So you become the conduit between the team and the fan. Right? A lot of these national narratives don't jive with what fans think. It doesn't mean they're wrong. All right, so let's take let's take an extreme example. Uh, remember Josh Hader, the relief pitcher for the Brewers, it was re- very good, by the way. D- he did something
1: off the field that wasn't right,
0: right, Matt? Do you remember that?
1: I do. I don't. I don't remember the specifics, but I remember that happening.
0: And what did the fans do? When he got into his first game, they gave him a standing ovation. Well, I, I, I've got to look it up just to see. But I remember when this happened. Uh, well, right now he's on the paternity list. <laughs> okay, um, bu- 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 bu. What did he do? Orioles, Astros, Brewers, personal life. A series of tweets by Hader during the 2018 Major League Baseball All-Star Game. That contained racist, homophobic, and sexist content. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was it. Okay. Um, Friends and family of Hader were invited to the game, were given blank jerseys to wear due to the controversy. Hader issued an apology after the game and deleted his account. So, and there was a lot lot written about him. He gets into his first game, and when he does, the fans gave him a big ovation. Okay. Um, and I'm just saying that that's, it doesn't mean the media was wrong to point that out. They weren't. The media wasn't wrong, you know. But there's a disconnect between, okay, well, you know, I'm not a Brewers fan, so I don't, you know, I don't care. Um, but they kind of probably, fans probably looked out and said, hey, look, that's our guy and we're going to support our guy. Okay now does that make them evil but that's part of the disconnect so like the, the live tour they're taking blood money the questions about the 9-1 the nine eleven families which are, those are legitimate questions but then the guy gets out to play Mickelson I know you don't like him but you wouldn't have liked him whether this came up or not um uh and the fans are like, hey, Phil, or whatever, you know. There's just a disconnect. And people get confused. I think members of the media get confused by the disconnect. But we do have, our job is in part to deliver opinions on what's happening at the moment. And, okay. Is the split between the two, at least the initial thought, good for the game, good for the sport? No. It's always been shown over time in sports that that splits don't work. That's why you end up with an NFL-AFL merger. That's why you end up with four ABA teams going to the NBA. Why Four WHA teams go to the NHL. That's why that happens. And then it then things seem to thrive after that because the fans like the stability of one I mean that's you know. So, I mean, that's, and that's been shown over time. I mean, you know, when the merger happened with the NFL and the AFL, everybody was like, hey, great. You know, the ABA finally went away, and San Antonio and Indiana um, and Denver joined uh, the NBA, and the Nets joined the NBA, those four. Great. You know, it ended it. Now you feel it felt like going forward. You had one, no split, no guys. You know, instead of having some guys playing in the ABA like Julius Irving and David Thompson, now they're going to be playing in the NBA. Oh, well, WHA, right? Edmonton, Hartford, Quebec, and Winnipeg all get into the uh, uh, into the NHL. You know, now Hartford's now Carolina, Winnipeg's now Arizona, the current Winnipeg is the Atlanta Thrashers. Edmonton's still there, and Quebec's now Colorado. Um, but fans were like they felt better and the and the sport took off because of one. And that's where the golf's gonna have to be with this. Yeah. You know, they're gonna have to get back to some to figuring out a way to make it one. It's not the PGA Tour's fault that this is happening, but they've got to figure out a way to get it back to one. Because, to be honest with you, that's what the fans want. How it happened, I don't think people are as concerned about how it happened. Saudi money, blood money, whatever you want to call it. The fans just want to see everybody back together playing as one because history and sports tells us that when there are splits, it's not healthy. When mergers happen, the health of that sport when the merger happens is off the charts. Rory McElroy, Callan Tarum, Joel Damon, David Lingmurth all shot 67. Matthew Fitzpatrick has made the turn at three under. And the Celtics play the Warriors tonight. Matt has a rooting
1: interest. Just this one time, I do. He won six playoff
0: games. Oh, my almighty! Am I
1: inaccurate here? No. Okay. Just wish it was bored, that's all. Oh. Wishing is not a strategy, man.
0: We'll come back with more in a moment here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Okay. Hmm.
1: When car repairs get difficult. Well, I I just don't know. Um me neither. We get good. Sunbury Motors your oil change, tire alignments, brakes and inspections. Quick Lane, 630 to 6, Monday through Friday, Saturday 630 till 2. Sunbury Motors, Ford and Hyundai, North 4th Street, Sunbury and Sunbury Motors, Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. We take the Mm. 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 out of auto repair.
0: We need to figure out a way to make you happy.
1: The Yankees are right now
0: yeah but October comes up they'll they'll come up short and you'll be back in the funk again.
1: <laughs> I've been happy with the Eagles so far. I'm not a big fan of the new watermark, but you know whatever or the new what? the new uh, watermark that they have now. What's that? it's like it's it's not the new logo, but it's the the new like Eagles look when it, the the word eagles has a different look now the Eagles announced that today
0: okay um, yeah that does that have anything to do with winning no then I don't care Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now, from the Sunbury Motors studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors key Routes 11 and 15. Almost Wharf. online at sunburymotors.com. Jerry Dulac, my good friend, joins us. Welcome back. Great to have you with us on um, What's an Eventful Week?
2: Well, Steve, always good to be with you, whether the week is eventful or uneventful. Always <laughs> glad to come on with you.
0: Same, same here, Jerry. Uh, so I need to get your opinion on on live and where everything stands with the PGA Tour.
2: Well, uh, you know, I kind of have mixed feelings about it in this regard, Steve. Um, you know, first off, the whole thing is unfortunate. Uh, the way it is in, uh, played out, all of a sudden. I mean, what it was two months ago, what it was two weeks ago, and what it is now is drastically different. And it's become obviously a very contentious situation uh, with the PGA Tour and some of its members. Um, I, I think. Um, I think ultimately, when this whole thing plays out, um, I think it's going to end up in court with these players who decide to go play on the uh, LIV tour, um, when, when you know, how long that's going to sustain itself, how long those guys want to play there and take the money, even though I know they're not always just playing in Saudi Arabia, and when they want to come back to the PGA Tour. For example, Phil Mickelson, who has lifetime membership after what he's accomplished. Why should he then be banned from the PGA Tour is a 1099 subcontractor. So I, I eventually see this thing ending up in court. I get the players who, you know, look, I mean, look at Charles Schwartz or what he wins last week for a nothing 54-hole event. They pay him $4.75 million for a nothing event that, that matters, that counts for nothing. There's no world ranking points. There's no legacy to it um it doesn't it doesn't have any cachet beyond the money um but it's the money and the counter to that are the people who want and i get this who want to get up on the pulpit and talk about the uh, the righteousness of of, uh you know in the immorality of playing over there because of the saudi government because of their human rights atrocities because of the way they treat women i get all that too um But there probably isn't – there certainly isn't a player on the PGA Tour who at one time or another hasn't gone over and played in Saudi Arabia for those large appearance fees and and those big purses for those exhibitions. They've all done it. So now somebody's going to do it instead of once. They're going to do it eight times. Uh, Steve, what's the difference? You've done it once. You might as well do it eight times, correct? I mean, you either do it or you don't if you're going to stand on principle. And how many American businesses or businessmen have we seen over the years go over to Saudi Arabia and work there because of the no taxes and the large sums of money they make? And they go over and they work for a couple years, you know, inflate their bank account and then, you know, move back to the United States. I mean, we see it happen all the time in American business. So, again, I'm not defending any of those guys. It's just that, you know, how can you blame Lee Westwood or Ian Poulter on the downside of their career if they're going to go over there and, and in three days in a 54-hole event win two, three, or four million, which is more than they're going to win on the PGA Tour or chances are on the uh, on the European Tour for one event? And now, okay, so they play eight events. Let's say at minimum they win 250 k Well, that's another couple, two million in their pocket at minimum, at minimum, for playing a 54-hole event. So... Yeah, the whole thing is unfortunate because mainly it's overshadowed the U.S. Open. All the talk this week yes. was the LIV Tour, the golf series. And and I, and I think and it's harming, I think, I think guys like Phil Mickelson are taking a beating. Um, you know, Dustin Johnson has has kind of evaded some of that. But, you know, Kevin Na, those guys, but, you know, they're going to fire at all these guys, Shambo, Patrick Reed. Every time one of them goes... And I know Rory has been outspoken. I get it. John Rahm had some strong comments. Uh, I I get it. When you're a competitor, when you're an elite player, you want to play against the best, you want to be the best, and you want to win tournaments that matter, not those exhibitions. Except that how can you fault those? How can you fault Charles Schwartzel for playing for three days and winning $4.75 million?
0: Well, what's interesting about this is that Rahm is from Spain, McElroy is from Northern Ireland. They both decided not to play the European Tour, but come over and play here. Right, right, hey, That that point is never brought up. I mean, I'm not trying to defend or anything, but you do have to point out certain elements of this. Where what's the? You know, I realize the Saudi money part of it. That part I've got, but you are shunning the tour that you normally would be a part of and pushing forward to come over here and play
2: right right and, and and you know steve i was i was doing an interview today and somebody said you know the paul talking about this politics aside what about this what about that and i said well that's the problem that's what's causing the consternation is the politics the morality of it all or what they want to claim is the morality of it all and and that's right. what's dividing a lot of these people and, and and yet like i said there isn't one of those stars on the pga tour that hasn't gone over there and taken a large appearance fee and played in one of their events over the last eight, ten years or however many years they've been doing some of those, uh, you know, events out of season. And and mm-hmm. they've all done it because of the money. And so, um, you know, it's, it's really caused a problem for the PGA Tour. The PGA Tour has reacted like they did because I think they see it as a big threat. They see it as a big threat because of the money. But the reality is, again, too, Steve, you look at that event, Cheryl Schwartzel won. I mean, who really cares? Nobody cares about that event. The only person who cares about anything is the money, is Charles Schwartzel for the money he won. And that tour, they're hoping to get, you know, they would like to be able to get world ranking points because if these guys, let's say they play in these this tour for three, four more years, guess what they start to lose world ranking points they just start dropping and dropping and dropping next thing you know they don't get into world golf championship events maybe they don't get into the majors if they're not otherwise qualified or invited and so that's when it's going to to blow up and they're never going to get world ranking points when they play 54 hole events because they won't sanction those for the world for the uh, world rankings you got to be 72 holes so as long as they're playing 54 holes that's not going to happen either
0: right exactly uh and that's where it's going to, and the fans just want to see the best play against the best. That's I think that's I think that's pretty much where the fan comes from. They don't want to see splits.
2: You know, Stephen, that that, ide- that ideally is the goal of the LIV tour. Uh you know, they talk about they want to try and get these players, pay them, but they want to pit the best players in the world against the best players in the world because other than majors and three or four World Golf Championships, um, that's the only time you see it. But they figure by reducing the field to 48 players and having the top players in the world, then those guys competing against each other is what they're trying to do, create these matchups. But, you know, Steve, that's no different than a made-for-TV event because the tournament Mm -hmm. itself that they're conducting, it means nothing. It means nothing. So. These guys can go against each other. It's no different than Tiger playing field, uh, you know, in the Battle of the Bridges, or whoever he went against, or right. Garcia right. or whatever. It's the same yeah. thing. It's a made-for-TV yeah. event, except these people don't have TV, and nobody right. really cares. The only thing that people care about with golfers, in terms of competition, is seeing who contends in the majors. Even more so, even more so than the players in the World Golf Championships. That's all that matters, right. and none of these other events matter to these guys in terms of competition uh, You know, with the best players in the world.
0: What's interesting to me is the backdrop of all of this, of all the places to have this happen, the country club, where Francis, we met, and an right. amateur, <laughs> crossed the street and beat Ted Ray and Harry Varden in 1913. This is an interesting course. Uh, this is another, you and I talked about Southern Hills and Gil Hance. Well, Gil Hance, again, uh, It used to have 3,200 square feet of greens. Now it's up to 44 in his redo, which is a little bit more than pebble. But that's part of the feature of this place. What intrigues you about the Country Club?
2: Well, you know, Steve, the first event that I did uh, that I covered out of town, beyond Oakmont and any major that was held there in Western PA, the first time I traveled on a tour to a major was in 1988 at the Country Club. And that's mm-hmm. when Curtis Strange beat Nick Faldo in a playoff. And, and you know, I, uh, I while I remember little about the golf course, I'm curious seeing it on TV again, I do remember that it was just an old-style, old-fashioned, old golf course. Obviously the oldest in America. And and it was really neat. And so when I saw what Gil Hans did at Southern Hills, when I was at Southern Hills for... The U.S. Open at Retief Goosen won and when Tiger won the PGA. Um, yeah, it's Southern Hills, but it didn't blow me away. I didn't think, wow, this place is really special. But what I saw Gil Hans do with his refurbish was I was very impressed with the look to the point where I thought, wow, I don't remember any of that. Well, that's because it wasn't there. And right. I thought he did an outstanding job. And so I don't think he, he didn't change the character um, of the country club. And, you know, Oakmont is bringing him in for the 2025 Open. He's coming in next year. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're going to, you know, first of all, they're redoing all the bunkers. They're redoing the irrigation system. But they're going to change a few things. But they won't touch the contours of the green, and they won't touch the re rotting of the hole. That's like a no-no at Oakmont, and that's just not happening. So I don't know that what Johans is going to do will be visible to a lot of people. But he he will come in, and he's not going to change the character of look at Oakmont. And and I don't think he did a whole lot of that uh, at the country club. I think it'll be even less so at Oakmont. But whatever it is, and he did L.A. North uh, for next year, which is where the U.S. Open is. And, uh, you know, he's become become the designer of choice for these restorations of these uh, iconic golf courses. And... um, you know, what I've seen so far of the country club on TV, it looks fabulous.
0: Obviously, Rory played well. He, he birdied his last hole, which is number nine because he started in the back nine. He ended up at three under. So give me a, you know a grouping of guys that we need to take a, a long, hard look at that you think can handle this kind of test on this particular course.
2: Well, there's no question uh, Rory can do it. And the reason I stayed away from picking him, even though he won last week and he did it by birdieing the last two holes, uh, Rory obviously has – he knows how to close because you don't win the events that he's had and the number of majors that he has without being able to close, even though he's never been able to close in on that green jacket. Uh, The problem with Rory is he always starts slow. He gets behind and then he has Mm -hmm. to mount these weekend challenges – And then next thing you know, you see him move up in the leaderboard, and then he has another top-five finish, but he never really contends. So for him to get off to a fast start uh, I think is really, really important and really, really good for him and really, really bad news uh, for the rest of the field. Um, He's been playing very well. Um, If he can, you know, his, his, his short game has gotten a little better, his wedge game for a world class player has been average at best Steve right. and that's what yeah. really does him in he does you know he's he he doesn't turn uh you know pars into birdies and he turns some pars into bogeys um but he's been he's been in pretty good form lately uh Justin Thomas is a guy you know on a shot makers golf course which is what this is you know he shapes shots as well if not better than anybody on the tour and so that was the guy that I picked to win even though you don't see a lot of back to back major winners a, a whole lot, um, but you know, I, I look at uh, I look at Will Zalatoris. He was two over. He finishes minus yeah. one. You know, and the other mm-hmm. thing I liked about Rory too is, you know, he goes he goes bogey free for the most part. I think he bogeyed uh, the seventeenth hole. But when you see guys in the U.S. Open not make bogeys, that's what I look for. For example, I look at Jordan Spieth. He shot one over on the front. He made two pars. You know, bogey, birdie, bogey, birdie, birdie, bogey. Yeah. Uh, You know, the last two holes, same thing, birdie at 17 to get to one, bogey at 18. So it's nice that you make uh, birdies, but when you start making bogeys, if not more, but let's just stick with bogeys in the U.S. Open, it gets tough. You're going to make them, but the guy who makes the fewest fewest, is the guy who's going to contend. And when I see Rory, now I know it's only one round, but it is Rory, and when I see him do that to open, uh, that tells me he's very comfortable and very confident And I just think, um, I just think he's going to be tough to beat. To be honest, even though it's just one round, but based on everything and based on who it is and the way he's been playing, and he looks like a sure bet to me.
0: And and by the way, when you're going uh, bogey, birdie, bogey, birdie in the U.S. Open, eventually bogey wins. That's right. That's (laughs) That's right. I, I mean, that's the problem. I mean, that's the problem, my friend. I don't care what the circumstance is. Always a pleasure. Thank you so much.
2: Well, Steve, always good chat with you, my friend, and I'll catch up with you soon.
0: Sounds good. We got to get out to the course here at some point.
2: I'm st- I'm still waiting for Ronnie Moller, our friend, to set it all up because I'll be there as soon as he does.
0: Absolutely. Thanks so all much, right. Jerry.
2: All right, man. I'll see you, Steve.
0: Jerry Dulack. I s- I sense you're angry.
1: I am a little surprised by his stance on this. I, I get it; it was very well reasoned, as as always from him. But I was a little bit surprised. I was expecting a much uh, different opinion.
0: Uh, but do you, do you see? I mean, I know it's it's what I'm saying is different because Saudi Arabia is a different um, financial entity and has a different history than Europe. But the European players are all coming over here to play. They aren't sticking on the European tour. So that lack of loyalty is okay, right? Only because
1: there's an agreement there.
0: Yeah, and that's what these guys need. Because what happened is, that why are guys allowed to go and play in Dubai? Because the PGA Tour gives them an exemption to do it. They won't give them an exemption to play in these, these other events. But that's, you know, there's... There's two sides on this,
1: but and you don't have a guy in Greg Norman who's leading the way with this new league that's trying to take down the PGA. That's the problem here. And you don't even like golf. All right, so <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm an average fan. I, I watch the majors. I play a little here and there. I watch the players. Maybe a little bit of FedEx Cup. That's about it.
0: All right, we'll wrap it up in a moment here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Okay. Tyler Anderson to Shohei Otani. That's a line drive to right. Bats won't get there. And Otani breaks up the no hitter to the ninth inning. He does it with a triple.
1: Joe Davis, TV voice of the Dodgers, new TV voice of Fox Sports, with the call there as Shohei Ohtani breaks up yet another no-hitter. It's been a crazy couple of days in Major League Baseball, and in particular last night. You had the Pirates break up a no-hitter yesterday in that doubleheader with the Cardinals. You had this last night with Ohtani and the Dodgers. You had the walk-off with Garrett Stubbs with the Phillies yesterday as well. You had the whole debacle with the umpires and not knowing the rules with the Yankees-Rays game last night. So you had, what, four to five good things in that segment other than the, um, the umpires there. But Steve's totally right. You got to be able to get out of your own way. So Matt Catrillo wrapping it up here with you here on the Steve Jones Show. Thanks again to Jerry Dulack from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette joining us, as well as the Steelers Radio Network on all things Live, PGA, U.S. Open. You missed any of that, you can check it out on SteveJonesShow.com. And, of course, all of our social media pages. So I, I I get where he's coming from. I think it was all reasonably laid out. Wasn't the opinion I thought it was going to be from from Jerry. But again, this is where I stand. I, I get the European argument. I get the Saudi argument in terms of golfers have gone there before. Guys like Rory, John Rahm are here and not on the European tour. I get that. But again, those were agreements. That's the key here. If you get an agreement, I guess that's fine. But you know what? There's never going to be because this live golf tour was made out of bad faith by a guy in Greg Norman who's looking to take down the PGA. That's what's wrong with all of this. The thing, the the agreement that they had when the golfers went to to Saudi previously in Dubai, the thing, the agreement with the European golf tour, that's all in good faith. For the most part and decided think you can make a separate argument politically whatever but the bottom line is when it comes to pga playing being eligible the agreement was there this live tournament is being totally made out of bad faith let alone knowing who backs all backs all this up that's my point in all this Today's show brought to you by our good friends at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kia, Routes 11 and 15 in Humble's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com, home of the Sunbury Motors Guarantee. Talk to you tomorrow on a Friday on the Steve Jones Show.